0: This is The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, art is your guide to
1: make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. Uh, I'm Art Wiederman. It's a pleasure to be with you today, here from my World Broadcast headquarters in Orange County, California, South Orange County, as a matter of fact. And I want to let you know that um, today's show is going to be a very, very important show for you to uh, to listen to and take some notes on. We're going to be talking about life insurance today, and um, uh, as again, I tell you every week, I I bring the people on that I've worked with in my career. Uh, and, uh, this is one of them. Uh, Scott Plamondon is a, um, uh, a, a life insurance uh, agent. He works with Beacon Point Wealth Advisors in Newport Beach, California. I've done work with Scott, uh, and, and in the life insurance business, ladies and gentlemen, uh, like with every business, like with accountants, I hate to say, it, like with accountants, like with dentists, like with, uh, investment advisors, insurance people, there are good players and bad players. And unfortunately, in the insurance arena, I have seen uh, my share of bad players, Scott is not one of them. Scott is a very ethical uh, insurance agent is always looking out for the best interest of uh, his clients and we 're going to talk about uh, we 're going to do insurance one hundred one today folks we haven 't done a show on life insurance and i 've wanted to do that and we 're going to talk about um, we 're going to talk about how much insurance do you need, what types of insurance are available and then you know, what if we get someone right out of school? What do we start? How do we start the process? We're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, I would like to give you some information. Um, and again, our podcast is just blowing up all over the country. I'm getting emails from all over the place. People thanking me for the work that we're doing and. They're telling their friends. So please tell your friends about the podcast, uh, write a review about the podcast, uh, tell everybody you know, get the word out because the information is really, really important that we're sharing. So if you want to get a hold of me at my office in Southern California, my phone number is 714-259-0505. Uh, if you want to send me an email, I'm on, uh, I'm on the internet. In fact, I'm on the internet right now recording this podcast with Scott. Uh, but, uh, you can email me at artwiederman. That's W I E D E R M A N at gmail.com. If you want to look at any of our other podcasts and we're approaching 60 recordings, which is amazing to me. I, I remember the day that we started this. Um, go onto our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab, go to podcasts, and you can scroll down to your heart's content and look at all the different subjects and, and podcasts uh, that we have. And um, if you are looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, please, please, please go onto our website at www. Adcpa.org. Uh, I'm a proud founding member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. We founded the group in 2001 uh, uh, around, a, uh, around a rectangular table. Nine of us did this in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona with two pitchers of water and a bunch of pads of paper, not knowing where this is going to go. And, and it's, it's far sur- surpassed all of our wildest dreams of what we've been able to create with our academy. And uh, it's the best of the best. Uh, go on to our website, www.adcpa.org. Look for the member firm in your area. I am the member firm in Southern California. We have a wonderful member firm in San Diego. I always say that because San Diego technically is Southern California, but if you're in San Diego, um, uh, Drew Hendricks is down there and he he takes great care of clients down there. So anyway, uh, look up a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. So again, today we're going to talk about life insurance and uh, Scott Plamondon is, um, again, he's in charge of the insurance, uh, um, the insurance practice at Beacon Point Wealth Advisors in Newport Beach. Beacon Point is an investment management and financial advisory firm. And Scott uh, basically uh, works with about 60 financial advisors in, uh, uh, in, in the Beacon Point network and helps uh, their clients with insurance. So, Scott Plumunden, uh welcome to The Art of Dental Finance.
0: Thanks, Art. Uh, welcome. I'm glad to be here and uh, answer any questions you have, and hopefully educate uh, a lot of CPA, a lot of uh, uh, dental uh, students out there, as well as uh, practicing uh, dentists out there, and answer any questions you have.
1: Well, that's where, and I got, I've got questions. You, you're there. I've got questions for you. There's no doubt about that. So, so Scott, first of all, you you were sharing with me that um, uh, you grew up in in Rhode Island. And then uh, I guess uh, you joined the Air Force and there's a story behind that. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, it's one of, it's one of the stories I usually like to lead out with because it, it shows how people can change and move on uh, to different areas. But in 1983, I graduated from high school and uh, I wanted to go anywhere else in the world except for being in, in Rhode Island. And so I figured the best way to do that is to join the military, join the Air Force back then and ask them to send me anywhere. Travel the world, right? anywhere, anywhere in the world that they could send me outside of Rhode Island. And they sent me to New Hampshire Hampshire. for my house.
1: (laughs) So did you, so because you were so upset that they didn't send you like to a really cool place, like, you know, I don't know, Tahiti or wherever. Did you actually fly to New Hampshire or did you drive? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great story too. Our, the first time I was ever on an airplane was when I was going to basic training in Lackland uh, Air Force Base in Texas. Oh that my! The first time I ever went on an airplane it was an amazing story. And uh, and then uh, the good part is I did get, when I got assigned to a job in, in the Air Force, I was a crew chief on a KC-135. That's the air refuelers. And I got to travel on that plane all over the world. So that was great.
1: Well, well they, they, they were just teasing you, right? Exactly. Yeah, there you go. How, was your, how long
0: were you in the Air Force? Uh, three and a half years. So while I was in the Air Force, uh, I knew I didn't have the money back then, and my dad didn't have the money back then to put me through college, and I needed the help to pay for it. And the Air Force was paying uh, 75% of my tuition while I was there. So it was, it was a perfect relationship. I ended up finishing about three years of college. In three and a half years in the Air
1: Force, we we like companies or government agencies that pay for college. I did not have that uh, that luxury, unfortunately. But uh, uh, my two boys both got through college, and uh, they're doing they're doing real well. And and you, uh, thank you for your service to our country, of course. So, Scott, before we get started, give us a little bit of a, I mean, you you gave us how you started. Tell us about your journey and how you got to be at Beacon Point, and a little bit about what you do.
0: Yeah, it's a great story. I've known um, the founder, one of the founding partners of Beacon Point since I first entered the insurance business back in 1991. Uh, we both started at the same company uh, back in Newport Beach as well and uh, basically grew from there. That was back 1991. We both got our securities license. Uh, he went in a different direction and started to run the RAA and bring in other RAA partner groups. And I started, continued on in the insurance side working with uh, Business owners and individuals uh, setting up uh, insurance plans for what they were trying to do going forward.
1: Okay. And how long have you been doing this work?
0: So, well, now it's 29 years this year. So next year will be my 30th year uh, since 1991.
1: And you're working with all types of insurance policies and and, and different uh, things. We, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about buy in, buy out. You've done some of that work and um, uh, basically with individuals, high net worth individuals, things like that? Exactly. Okay.
0: Any, any type of business owner out there, any type of individual that's looking to be able to, uh, uh, to set up a plan initially. All
1: right. Well, let's get into the conversation because there's a lot to talk about. This is Life Insurance 101 um, for my dentist uh, listeners. And uh, folks, I, I want to start off by just telling you that, um, uh, and, and we're going to get into this. Many of my doctors who I talk to, I ask them, all of them. How much insurance do you have? Do you have, you know, and they are all for the mo well, not all, but I'd say more than 75% are are sadly underinsured. And we're going to talk about how much you need as we get down the road, but but this is really, really, really important. So, Scott, let's talk about the basics. Why do we need life insurance? I, I think everybody knows, but why don't you go through it?
0: Yeah, it's it's a basic question that a lot of uh, the industry is trying to solve for people now today. And um it's really based on what's called a needs analysis, and the needs analysis will help guide you uh, to 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 getting or acquiring the right amount of insurance and the right design that you would need going forward. So it's really going to be if you're married, if you're not married, if you have debt or if you don't have debt. Um, you know, th- those are the type of questions uh, to be able to you know answer to determine how much insurance you'll need. A lot of people do it kind of backwards. They don't. They don't focus on the need first, which is what you should really do, especially, you know, new dentists that are graduating from college, maybe just getting married and looking forward to starting their career out there. Um, They really have to be protected just in case something goes wrong.
1: All right. So let's get into some of the different scenarios here. And and again, ladies and gentlemen, you basically need life insurance for two reasons. The first reason is income replacement uh, for your family, and we'll talk about you know single versus married versus um, you know other other um, you know uh, other reasons, and the other reason that you need life insurance is for estate taxes. Now, under the current tax law, if you are single and your net worth is under eleven and a half million dollars, approximately, um, you don't need life insurance. And if you're married and you do your estate documents right, $22, 23 million dollars. Now, I, I will tell you that, that that provision in the tax law is going to expire, I believe, in about five years. So uh, the numbers have been as low as $3 million. So, so you may end up, and very well likely in your lifetime, could end up with an estate need. Uh, but right now, most of my dentists, unless you have uh, hit the California lottery, which would be nice uh, probably don't need a first date, but it's pretty much income replacement is, is what we're talking about. And that's where we're going to get in the subject. So Scott, I got a young dentist. He, he or she graduated, um, dental school. Uh, there are, you know, you graduate dental school. Most dentists graduate somewhere between the ages of, I'm going to say 25 and 30 to just kind of make it the general, uh, we have dentists that go to dental school in their forties and fifties, but, but for the most part, it's 25 to 30. Um, Let's start off with a single dentist, graduate dental school, going to start his or her first job. What kind of insurance need do we have?
0: You know, really just to protect the family against the debt that you acquired from college. Uh, I mean, at that point, if it's prior to getting married or prior to having any children, you don't have the obligation to replace your income. Uh, you just have the need to be able to pay off any acquired debt that you have through the college years at that point.
1: That's right. So um, so that that's important. And again, you know, the average... They say the average student loan debt in uh, for dental school right now is in the low to mid three hundred thousands. Uh, but they may not have polled the folks in California because uh, there are six dental schools. I will not mention names or prices, but uh, they're all available. And uh, out here and in some of the other schools on the East Coast, you're looking at four to $500,000. Uh, if you do a general practice residency program or a specialty program, you could be looking at a a, a stupid amount of money and that's uh, uh, that's real life. So, okay, so for the single person just to cover the student loan debts, um, you know the, the their family's gonna have uh, uh, their own coverage and um, and they don't have a a, a husband or a wife. Uh, but anyway, so now let's talk about many of my clients. A lot of our clients come out of dental school married or they're in their careers. They're married. They have some children. Uh, they have a mortgage. So um, let, let's talk about that doctor, okay? And they, they come to you and they say, um, I have no life insurance or um, I have $100,000 of life insurance. Walk through kind of the analysis. What, what are we looking at when we're talking about a married couple, children, mortgage, getting into their life? Maybe they own a dental practice.
0: Yeah, the, that's a great question. Th- those are the people that really have to start looking at some planning. And yeah, I did have a couple of really good friends that graduated from dental school. Husband and wife met each other in dental school, which I think happens a fair amount.
1: It happens a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're together for so long. And um, they both graduated with about a total of about $1.1 million of student loans yep. between the two of them. They both did a specialty after. Yep. Uh, but now they're reaping the rewards of that 20 years later. right? Uh, they have a super successful practice together with three different offices. So it's phenomenal. But wow. when, you have, when you do get married, um, you have to cover, first of all, which is called your lifestyle. So if something were to happen to one of the spouses, even husband and wife, even if the wife does not work or the husband works and the wife doesn't or vice versa, the wife works and the husband doesn't you have to be able to cover first is your lifestyle that's going to usually be about five to ten times the income that you earn and then what you do is in addition to that you're going to want to cover the debt that you have and any mortgage debt or any college debt that you have so the other spouse doesn't have to pay those if something happens to um uh, the spouse that's earning the money or has the debt and it's a really good thing to do so let's say you have a um uh, a, a dentist making you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year, you want to be looking at somewhere between one million to one and a half million to, to replace the lifestyle income, and that's on the low side too. Um, but and also in addition to that, you want to be able to cover any of the loans outstanding. So that would be maybe if there was a half a million dollars of loans outstanding, that would push it up to about you know two million. And then if you had a mortgage for another half a million, then you're looking at about maybe 2.5 million of insurance, but there's ways that we can purchase it. While the dentists are younger in order to be able to make it affordable for them. And then as they get older, we have other strategies that we can. uh,
1: Which, which we're going to, which we're going to get into. So I want to go back and and kind of um, uh, piggyback on what you were talking about. The amounts I I've always said, Scott, you got three things you got, as you said, the income needs, which you said is five to you said five to ten times the um, uh, what their current income is. Is that what you said as far as replacing the income?
0: Yes, about ten times is a good number to be able to look at. That will allow the remaining spouse to be able to survive for about twenty years, uh, twenty to twenty five years at a, at a right. moderate rate of return assumption.
1: And you want to pay off their debt, which is which could be student loan debt, and it could also be. Ah, uh, your home mortgage. and I also throw in, uh, and I love your opinion about this, uh, putting away for the kids' college. Um, absolutely. Now now, in your in your situation and in, in your clients you were talking about, you've got two income earners who are specialists who are presumably making, you know significant, uh, I, and I'm gonna guess three to five to six hundred thousand dollars a year, possibly each. Um, so if if one passes away, um, obviously there 's going to be life adjustments, but the other one is still more than likely going to continue to work right
0: correct yep
1: so so it 's not as critical as it is if I have a a doctor who is general specialist i don 't care um who 's making you know two hundred fifty five hundred thousand doesn 't matter what the number is and and we have a a, a non working uh, uh a a a spouse who's not, who does not work. Outside the home. Now, I made that mistake, Scott, many, many years ago at a lecture in front of a dental society here in Southern California, and I was talking about insurance, and I said, "Now, for the spouses who are the non-working spouses," and and I had some of the the folks in the audience look at me cross-eyed, and I thought I was going to get like you know, <laughs> orange pe- oranges thrown at me, and one of the one of them came up to me and, and explained. They said, "Mr. Wiederman, you you really need to kind of." change what you're saying, because if, if I'm a spouse and I'm at home and I'm taking care of children, I'm working. And I said, yes, ma'am, you are. And I have never made that mistake again. Being a mother is, is, is probably the most, one of the most important jobs there is on the planet. So if we're talking about a non-working spouse, who's not working outside
0: of the home at a job, then we need more, right? Right. Absolutely. You, you, and, and that's where when you have a non-working spouse, you really have to ensure that spouse as well because it affects the ability for their, the working spouse to be able to live light, to, to still go to work every day. I mean, it's expensive to replace the, the home giver. Uh, unbelievably, time and emotional uh, replacement takes a lot of time. Nobody wants to have to, if they lose a spouse, go back to work the next day just to make money to be able to, to, to hire somebody to come in and take care of the family at that point as well.
1: Well, and then you've got, and then you've got the potential. If you have another, if the surviving spouse, uh, is working, uh, then you, you have to, you know, factor into that childcare, which you may not have had to do before. I have, I have husband and wife spouses. Um, a lot of times what they'll do is, is, is one of them will work three days a week. The other will work, uh, Two or three days a week. And, and when the one is working, the other one is home taking care of the kids and it works out uh, magically. But, um, my magic number, Scott has always been for, and I, I hate to use the word average because my dentists are not average. All the ones I work with are phenomenal people. Uh, but, but for the, the one with an average income, I, I I'm always looking around three million. Does that, does that number feel pretty good to you? I, I it depends on the situation, right?
0: Yep, absolutely, and, and that number is pretty accurate. So it, it, the problem is, a lot of people get approached by other uh, insurance advisors out there that just don't cover the need correctly. They, they make that three million seem super expensive, where they can't afford it or don't want to pay the premium, and they they hesitate to get that high. But you are correct. In our example, we were at like two point five to three million was the perfect number.
1: Yeah. And, and, and obviously you made, you made a comment, which I'm going to go to right now, which is the younger you are, the better your pricing is going to be. So let's start off with the, with the simplest type. I've always been taught, Scott, and again, you're the expert and that's why I have you on the show here. Um, I've always been taught that all insurance, if you break it down is really term insurance, you're betting that you're going to, I hate to say this. You're betting by paying the premium that you're going to die, and the insurance company is betting that you're going to live. I mean, isn't all insurance, when you get to the the gist of it, it's term insurance?
0: Yeah, in the in the form of risk management, you are correct. So you're you're trying to ensure that if you don't make it to mortality age, that you'll have the ability to be able to help the remaining uh, spouse or pay off any debt that you have or the children. Uh, along the way. So you you are 100% correct. It's risk management. So you're basically trying to protect a risk that's out there, just like your house, you insure, even though the chances of your house burning down are are minimal, your car insurance, which in Southern California, anyway, there's a large chance that you'll use that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Insurance is something you hope you'll never use. So that's where the the other questions that we'll get into in, in the in the in a couple more question areas that you can have dual uses for insurance,
1: right? So let let's let's start with term basic term insurance. Um, talk about how I mean it. It it, it seems like a no brainer. How does it work, and who's it appropriate for?
0: Right. So um, term insurance, the the raw type of term insurance is basically annual increasing term insurance. That's number one. That was what we all used to use thirty years ago, um, twenty nine years ago when I started. For short-term needs. So if you needed coverage for one, two, or three years, uh, annual increasing term was perfect. So if we had a business owner that was exiting in three years, we knew annual increasing would be the most affordable. The industry came out to help people um, look more long-term with level term insurance, which is we have 10-year level term insurance, 15-year level term insurance, 20, 25, and 30-year level term insurance to allow people not to have to pay that increase every single year. So it was a great move for the insurance industry. It allowed people to get an insurance policy for an affordable rate at a guaranteed premium for the amount of time period that they needed it for.
1: Exactly. So I'm going to tell you, Scott, that's exactly what I did. And I share some of my personal stories with our audience. So I just turned 60. Um, and, um, the good news is my golf game is getting better. So I guess as you get older, maybe it gets better. Um, I, I, I shot a good round the other day and, uh, I'm slowing my swing down, which has nothing to do with life insurance. I just wanted to mention it. Uh, but anyway, when I was 40, um, so my, my kids are 25 and 30. So when I was 40, my kids were five and 10 and, um, I went out and I bought one and a quarter million dollars of 20-year level term insurance. And I think I bought the minimum on my wife, Lynn. It was like 175000 that they would sell. And my plan was that over 20 years, if I did my job and I saved properly, and, and I've told my audience over and over again that I am, I'm obsessive about getting people to save money and start retirement plans, and, and, and I probably wasn't obsessive back then because – you know i was in you know middle i guess uh, younger to middle age and starting my career and and so i bought this insurance because that's what i would afford, could afford it was 20 about $2200 a year so for 20 years i did this and then when i turned 60 this year i got the notice that mr Wiederman, you're uh, we'd like to know do you want to renew your insurance and the premium was $23,000 a year <laughs> so that worked for me because I didn't need it for income replacement after that because I had done a good job and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about that, Scott. Is that do you see that sometimes that people do that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, term insurance is is great for covering a need that's temporary, right? While your kids are younger, while you have a mortgage. And we try to match the time period with that. So if we have a a uh, business owner that's going to own the dental practice for 20 years, we buy a 20-year term insurance policy. If we have a 30-year mortgage that we're trying to cover, if something happens, then we have a 30-year term insurance policy. Uh, there are ways that we can even kind of uh, improve on that too, but we'll get into those in just a few. Well,
1: more well let's get into them now. Let's. let's how, how do we? How can we enhance these?
0: So, Art, you had some questions that you had sent me prior to the to the call, and you had said, "There's a lot of bad designed insurance policies out there." There's no doubt about that. A lot of people that that purchase these policies, and and there are some. I don't want to say there's a lot of bad players out there, uh, but there's a lot of people that don't look out for the. Oh,
1: I, I've I've met my share of folks, and 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 you know, it's like anything else. When you're a dentist and you sound like a salesperson, people know it. When you go into a a a car lot to buy uh, to to an automobile dealer to buy a car, you can tell, and you can tell when someone is 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 um you know of the right frame of mind. I always tell the dentist, uh, take care of your patients first. Scott takes care of his clients. I like to think I take care of my clients, like we all do at the Academy of Dental CPAs, and the money will come. So so go you know con- continue on with your thought there.
0: Yeah, so the, the industry has gone through uh, a lot of struggles. I mean, it, I, I think what happened prior to the age of computers and the internet uh, was the carriers were putting out products that the agents would sell, right? So right. we're focused more on the agents uh, than the clients. And the industry is absolutely changing now, where now we're actually in a point where the, there's so much information out there for people to research on it. That the carriers have completely did a one eighty, and now they're designing products that are designed for the client versus the agent, and they don't really care because they know the clients will buy what they know is necessary for them. And it's really been a, a life changing thing. Of we're coming, the carriers are coming out with much better product for the client today than ever before.
1: So, so you're saying that that they're actually, the, the industry is now doing what they should have done twenty to thirty years ago.
0: Absolutely, because they weren't forced to do it back then, and I think back then the real thing was the agents control the business. And I see. they were the reason for the existence. Now it's the clients are controlling the business, and the agents are just the you know, the the people that are meeting with the clients to try to determine and solve the need.
1: Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna get into, as we talk about the different types: uh, whole life, variable life, universal life. Um, uh, you know, SpongeBob life, whatever is out there. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about all those as we go on here. Uh, you're going to make those points. So, so we talked about term. Term is pretty simple. You know, you buy an insurance policy. If you live for the year, you lose the premium. If you die in the year, your beneficiaries get the, um, um, get the money. So let's talk about whole life because whole life wasn't that the first type of permanent insurance that came out, um, before all these other exotic types of policies.
0: Yeah, whole life is still around today and makes up a large portion, but it is really changed com- you know, significantly compared to when it actually came out before. So that's one of the most effective policies. So whole life is just what's called a permanent type of life insurance. So you have temporary life insurance, which is term insurance, right? Because we know it's for a temporary need, 20 years, 30 years. And then we have permanent insurance, which is permanent throughout that. That means that I always like to tell people, what is the chance you're going to die? What are the chances you're going to die before age 65? And it's usually less than 1%. That's the risk that you have. But what are the chances that you're going to die after age 65?
1: That's 100%. (laughs) Exactly.
0: That's why you have different types of insurance is, is you're trying to, while your kids are younger, ensure a need that is much higher, right? Because you have to take care of the college, take care of the mortgage, take care of the debt take care of that income for the spouses that are at home. Um, So that's really what you're focused on is getting the most of the insurance under that term insurance realm to keep the cost out.
1: So let's get back into the whole life. So so with with term, I pay my $2,200 a year. I get a million and a quarter coverage. Uh, I get nothing out of it. Whole life, there's also an investment component, isn't there?
0: Yeah. So what happened about the late 1990s was that the, um, a couple people wrote some books that were just unbelievably impressive. I went to school when, when I was in college, uh, at going to night school while I was in the Air Force to be an accountant. My dad always told me, uh, be an accountant, you always have a job. So
1: That is true. Yeah. Even today. On the
0: corporate side. And uh, and loved it. A- absolutely loved it. But uh, when I had to do my audit time art, I decided I did not want to do this anymore. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know what? That's why I became a tax guy because I started doing auditing and I just said, what am I doing? You yeah. No offense, but some of my best friends are auditors and I love them to death, but it's just not it's not what I can do. That's right. So so, so you have this whole life. And so let's say that I, instead of a $2,200 a year premium, maybe I'm paying 3000 or something. Does do some of it, my understanding is insurance is three pieces One piece is the actual death benefit. And again, it's an actuarial table. And they say, how many 45 year olds are going to die this year? And they basically set the rates that way, right? That's how it works.
0: Yep. Absolutely. You are a part of what's called a risk pool, right? So in that pool, they have healthy people, they have moderately healthy people, and they have unhealthy people. When they apply, right, that's where you get preferred best. Like that's the best class you can get on an insurance policy. Then you have preferred. Then you have standard. Then you have basically rating. You have standard non-smoker with ratings, or or smokers with ratings, or just regular smokers too. Right. You have different classes. That's your pool that you sit in. So then you get approved for that, based on the medical exam that you do.
1: Okay. So so now I'm approved, and I'm paying. I'm paying partially for the insurance. I'm paying partially an administrative fee. Which and folks, again, I never begrudge anyone who makes a living selling services to anyone, uh, their compensation. I get paid on an hourly basis. As a broker, I get paid a commission when I sell a dental practice. Scott gets paid a uh, a commission uh, when, when he sells insurance. That's how we all get paid. I mean, Scott, I suppose you could charge on an hourly basis. I don't know how you would do that doing insurance. It wouldn't make any sense. So there is an expense component. There's an expense component to running an insurance company, uh, which includes how Scott makes a living. And then the last part is the investment. And I want to get into that for a minute. Um, but, But before we get into that, I want you to give out your information because, folks, this is so important. I talk about saving money every week. I talk about saving for college. I talk about getting your mortgage paid off. But this is one of art's golden rules: is you've got to buy insurance to protect the ones you love. Because when you're gone, I, I have seen absolute nightmares, as I'm sure Scott has, when dentists pass away and the surviving spouse, um, maybe they don't have any, uh, you know, marketable skills. They've been uh, taking care of kids. Uh, maybe they can make twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars a year, but that doesn't pay the bills in many cases. So this is so important. So if you have any questions for Scott, he is one of the most ethical folks I've ever met. Every time I talk to him, it's always obvious that whatever he's recommending, it's in the best interest of our clients. So Scott, give out your contact information, please. And then we'll get back to the topic.
0: Absolutely. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can go to Art2, and then he'll refer you over to me. Or you can call me directly at 949-394-5433. Again, 949-394-5433. My direct email address, you best use my Gmail one. That's the quickest. It's Scott, S-C-O-T-T, A, like Alan. And then my last name is Plamondon. It's P-L-A-M-O-N-D-O-N at gmail.com. So Scott, A, Plamondon at gmail.com is my direct email. Uh, email
1: as well. And so, that you know, will be
0: anytime with any questions you have.
1: And that will be on the show notes in our on our website again, which is www.hmwc.com. All right. So let's get back into the subject. So now w- let's talk about life insurance as an investment. Now I have some very specific opinions about this. That's what's great. When I'm an expert witness, I can give my opinion. and Nobody can argue with me because it's my opinion. Not a big fan of insurance as an investment, but how does that all work? So I buy my whole life policy, I'm paying my $3,000 a year, $2,800 a year, and maybe $500 of that goes into invest- How does that whole investment thing work with an insurance policy?
0: So there's different types of insurance that you can use for investments. So that's one of the biggest things to start off with. And these are permanent policies. So that means they have a permanence to them that you always have that income to use. Art, by you, when you originally said there are some older whole life policies that the design of those policies, uh, you were lucky to, to retain about a two percent rate of return. On right. Those. Right. Um, the newer policies and the newer designs actually incorporate term insurance into a whole life contract. So about seventy five to eighty percent of your total coverage is term insurance, which expires in twenty or thirty years. And then you have remaining a smaller whole life policy with a bunch of paid up additions that you have cash with. So it's a whole new realm. So it's, it's like the term buy term and invest the difference. But now you have that difference being uh, tax free access and earning a much better rate of return because we were able to reduce the cost of
1: insurance. So let's talk about how that tax free access works, because I know there's a right way to terminate a policy. And a wrong way to terminate a policy. So, so you know. And again, I, I know that we, you know, you don't you don't sell insurance as a, a vehicle for investment. You're you're looking at people's needs and income replacement, like we've been talking about. But, but let's say we get down the road thirty years, and doctor's been paying into a policy, and uh, he or she has two three hundred thousand dollars of cash value. How does how does it come out tax free? I mean, I know there's an insurance lobby in Washington. That's one of the reasons it comes out tax free. But how does that work?
0: Yeah, the life insurance industry is uh, been around since the ninth uh, since the 18 I think the first policies were issued from New York Life and Mass Mutual back in the 1860s, um which has been around longer than the IRS. The IRS was uh around um, uh, 1910, uh, yep. around think, that
1: area. Yeah, I, mean, I think 1914 like or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the life insurance laws were written into the code early on. Uh, and the life insurance industry has always kept current with those code laws. And there's a code section called 7702, which covers life insurance um, as well, which grants life insurance favorable tax status because of the fact that it takes care of families. Right. right. So that's really the whole objective of the policy when it comes down to it, is is this protects families. That's why it was granted income tax-free benefit to the beneficiaries. And then you have the the internal buildup of the policy is also granted favorable tax status. So for you accountants out there, it's FIFO tax status, first in, first out, which is unlike most other investments, which are LIFO, last in, first out. Life insurance has first in, first out rules, which means when you go to retire, you have tax free access to the principal you put in. And then you actually have access to the buildup in the policy through a form of a loan that is paid back from the death benefit when you pass away. So it's one of the only investments you have after-tax contributions, tax-deferred growth, and tax-favored access to that money for the rest of your life. So structured properly, it can be a great source of, income to run their practice, to run their dental practice. If they need to buy another practice, I'm working with a dentist right now that has a policy um, that we're going to use for him to be able to buy other dental practices because they're having a lot of groups that are joining together. Yes. And that is revenue source to be able to purchase those other dental practices.
1: So I do that through the process of a policy loan. So walk through the mechanics of how I do that.
0: Right. So, and this is important too because certain companies work certain ways. So, you have some companies that have what's called a recognition of loan contract, which is if you borrow money out of the contract, you have to pay interest, which is common through all of them. But then you give up your dividend growth of that contract going forward while you have the loan outstanding. But a lot of the loans out there now are basically uh, looking at uh, the ability for the client to have access to the money and still continue to grow. So the policy is still growing, let's say, at our 4% assumption, and the client has access to capital to use to purchase that other practice, let's say, at a loan rate of 5%. So it's a very low-cost way for a dental uh, you know, a, a practice or individual to buy and have access to capital. So it's a great resource. For those additional capital purchases that they're looking at
1: so scott how does how does the insurance company invest the money I mean it's like if I give money to beacon point wealth advisors to invest they they invest you know billions and billions of dollars I give them money I can look every day on uh, you know Schwab or what, uh, whatever platform they use, and I can see how they're investing I say they're investing in this mutual fund and this individual stock and all this stuff but with an insurance policy it doesn't really work that way so how how do i know because i know that the insurance agents give you these great illustrations of oh, if you buy this policy and you pay in you know $75,000 a year into this policy uh that i'm going to have gazillions of dollars my experience and 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 please play devil's advocate with me my experience is that when i have clients who have paid a lot a lot of money into these policies when they go to access it The pot's not as big as we thought it was going to be. How does that all work?
0: Yeah, the the problem that we had is the type of policies you're most likely referring to were policies such as like variable life policies, which were subject to the market changes, right? So if we're in a good market, the cash value is higher. If we're in a bad market, the cash value is lower. So they were very unreliable, right? So unpredictable is a better word. The other policies were universal life policies, which were subject to the interest rates at the time. So people were buying policies in the 1980s at a 9% interest rate environment, right? And then all of a sudden, wow, we come to 2020 and the interest rates are now 4%. So the, those policies were also having financial difficulties. So you have to be able to, the type of policy that you purchase, if you purchase a whole life contract, the carrier is investing primarily, all the carriers primarily invest in corporate, government bonds, and some real estate projects. So they all pay about the same rate of return. And the reason the insurance industry is a, is a place where the banks put their money. So the majority of, I mean, the largest investment that some of the largest banks have in Southern California and across the country are in life insurance companies. It's One of the only places that the government allows a bank to put their tier one capital is with these corporate owned life insurance policies or bank owned life insurance policies because uh, it, it's safe money. It's one of the safest industries out there. And they're so highly regulated now on what they can invest in that they're very, very conservative and they're designed to be able to withstand you know, these companies that have been around, like the Mass Mutuals over a hundred and you know, since 1860, the 1860s when they started, they need to invest conservatively enough to be there for another hundred, two hundred years down the road. So that's the reason why their investment pool is very conservative.
1: So the question that I've always had is, why not just buy term and, and invest the difference myself and control the money? Now, I understand that whether it's in, retire- if it's in retirement, it's tax deferred, not tax free. And if it's not in a retirement, it's not tax free at all. The earnings are taxable as you go. But wh- give, give me a, a, a an, in- <laughs> an impartial insurance agent's take on The difference. When do you recommend the term and 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 invest the difference versus investing in a policy that that is is like the one you just discussed, a permanent type of a policy?
0: Right. So the 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 reason buy term and invest the difference works so well, and the reason why the newer policies are designed that way is it was it allowed the carrier to keep the cost of insurance down, right by having. The government requires each person to carry a certain amount of death benefit based on what they want to contribute and their age, right? So if we have a 40-year-old that wants to contribute $70,000 a year in premium for the next 10 years, that, 70, that 40-year-old has to purchase maybe, let's say, a million dollars worth of coverage. In the past, these the policies were designed that that whole life policy had to be a million dollars which was a problem. Now you had a huge cost. to access to capital that first 70000 was really nothing for two or three years. Very, very low cash value. Now what we can do with the newer policy designs is we can actually lower that. We have, still have to purchase a million dollars, but the whole life piece of that may only be 100000 And then we may have $900,000 of 10-year t- of or 20-year term insurance attached to the policy so we still have, we still passed the government guideline, right? That million dollars is there, but the cost of the insurance is very low. So what it does is out of that 70,000, the business owner may have access to 50, 60,000 of that now. So okay. not don't have the same problem we used to have before. And this is very recent. The first books were starting to be written about this in the late 1990s. And I learned about it from one of my CPA friends said, hey, you have to meet these people and they're going to explain to you why this works and why it doesn't work. And it is amazing difference today versus what we had to work with before.
1: So I have several more questions. And of course, time is always limited. Um, When should a dentist, if someone is being presented something, to uh, a, a policy or proposal, when should the red light go on like, oh, this doesn't look right or they should run? What are some provisions that, that some of the bad players may pre- present to our dentists that they should be wary of?
0: That That's the problem. <laughs> when it comes right down to it, uh, the agent needs to make money, right? So, and we all understand that. They're, they're not necessarily bad people because they need to sell policies, right? Um, but if you're, if, if you're looking to do something that is in your best interest, you have to have a policy designed for what you're trying to accomplish, right? So the problem is, they have a difference of opinion, right? So there is like a a conflict of interest there. They want to sell you more life insurance to make more money. You want to buy life insurance that's the least expensive possible with some benefits to it as well. And that's really the trick. You have to have a policy that's designed correctly for what you're trying to accomplish. Okay. That's the the biggest difference for people today. All
1: right, let's go back to pulling money out of a permanent policy. If I surrender the policy just basically quit on the policy and say just send me everything isn't that a taxable uh, I'm the CPA but isn't that a taxable event if you do it that way
0: yes so there's two options when a person exits the contract this is
1: very uh, important part. folks
0: yeah you can cancel the contract altogether and the gain in the contract so if you put in you know $100,000 and it's worth $300,000 you have a $200,000 income taxable gain on that distribution or You have another option where you could say, hey, insurance company, I have $200,000 of gain plus the $100,000 I put in. How much can I take out in a lump sum and never make another premium payment, but still keep the policy in force so I don't have to pay those income taxes? Right. And that's really what we have the flexibility to do today. So it's important to understand most of the clients will take out an income stream, which is not a problem. But some of the clients just say, hey, I want to buy a place in Hawaii you know, I want to retire and get get out of here. Give me a lump sum as much as I can take without having to pay income tax on that gain. So as long as you set it up correctly in the, at the beginning, you can do that in the future. I, I,
1: and, and I will tell you, Scott, that at least once a year, maybe twice, when we're in tax season and we get all of our uh, clients' tax information, at least once a year, I get a 1099 from a client and I say, I call him up. I say, what is this? We didn't plan for this. Oh, I forgot to tell you art I cashed in my insurance because I needed to pay a pay my, my my kid ended up at Stanford, so i I had to pay his tuition I go why didn't you call me well, I just needed to, I need to get it done quickly because I needed to pay it and so, so you got to be really careful let 's address now Scott in and some of the time we have left let's let 's go to our doctors who are maybe been in uh, been in practice fifteen twenty twenty five years so maybe they're 45, 50, 55, maybe even 60 years old. And what we're finding is that uh, people are having children older uh, later in life today. Are, are you seeing that too with your clients?
0: Especially doctors and dentists. Uh, because they go to school for so long, they delay having children. So.
1: Right. Um, so uh, like I say, my mine, mine were born when I was, let's see, I'm 60. Let's do the math. Um, I was 30 and 35 when my kids were born. Uh, because I was mentally not ready to have children. I didn't think we were financially ready. And, you know, there's, there's pros and cons. That's not what the show is about. But the point is, is that people have, I mean, I have clients that are in their 50s and 60s that have teenagers. So now I've got a doctor who's older, Um, you know, 50, 55, 60. And I don't mean to say that, that's, that you're old. I got in trouble once at a lecture saying, for you older doctors ages 45 to 50, I will never do that again. But- but in this case, I've got a doctor who's maybe 50, 52 years old, and he or she recognizes, oh my goodness, I've got three kids, I got a, I've got a spouse, I've got a, I've got a mortgage, I've got this, I've got that, I, I have student loans still. And how do we, how do we attack that? Because that premium is going to be a lot higher than when they were 25 years old, right? I mean, Does it get to the point that this stuff is just not doable anymore?
0: Actually, the rate of return is is very similar for similar funding periods, right? So if you have a forty-year-old that buys a policy for twenty years, or a fifty-year-old that buys a policy for twenty years, on the permanent side, like you can hook that term insurance to there, and you can blend in more term insurance, and you can make the performance about the same. But the younger you purchase it, Art, you are correct. If you know, if you're in school and you're, you're you're still don't have any money, but as soon as you graduate, the policies today allow you to grow into them. So that means you can start out with a lower amount and then increase your savings as you start to pay off more and more debt. So there's a lot of people that want to pay off their student loans as quickly as possible. And we have designs on the policies where we can actually use the policy to pay the debt off and transfer it from a cost of you know five, six, seven, eight percent down to one or two percent, running it through the contract. That ends up saving the, the the dentist a ton of money in the long run. You could imagine taking an interest rate from eight percent down to one or 2% is a huge difference.
1: That is a huge difference. But so you're saying it, it's not a lost cause. If, if I've got a doctor who's say 55, listening to this podcast, and they're going, oh, you know, this, this has really spurred me in, in, into action. And by the way, I do hope that this spurs you ladies and gentlemen into action, because that's why we do these podcasts is to get you to do the things that are going to help you in the long run. So it's not a lost cause. I mean, it's not going to be as cheap as it was 2025 20, years ago but it's not going to be a ridiculous amount of money that they can't afford to do it if you structure it right correct
0: scott a- absolutely and that's the biggest thing is you're going to you're going to meet with 10 different life insurance agents and you're going to get you know a lot of different things out there you have to deal with somebody that's been doing this for a long time and has your interest at the you know at, at the focus when they're designing a plan for you so as long as you get it designed correctly You won't experience what Art was saying about having these policies. They're just not providing or producing what we thought they would produce years ago. I I do reviews for clients that have had their contracts 10 or 5 to 10, 15 years, and they're almost exactly what we thought they would have been from 10 years ago. And that's a good thing. That means the policies are predictable. That's what you want in these things. You want them to be predictable. When you need the money to pay for college, it needs to be there. If you need the money to buy a practice, it needs to be there.
1: Right. And, and, And my experience, Scott, is that if I have a doctor who is in 30, 35 years old, and they're making a really good income, and they're funding their retirement plan to the maximum, okay? They're doing all the things. They're doing an HSA. They're doing their... They're qualified retirement plan. They're putting the $62,000, $63,000 a year away uh, because for the, the younger doctors, um, the defined benefit doesn't make sense, although the age is coming down where it does make sense. But I'm maximally funding everything. I've got my mortgage on a plan to pay it off by the time I'm 55 or 60. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm open, certainly, to a form of permanent insurance as another way to meet the insurance need and, and and to save, so so for the younger doctors, the 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 permanent insurance with maybe a
0: little higher premium that maybe does make sense. Absolutely, if because if we can funnel the majority of the savings that the doctor is putting into the cash value, which is usable for them to be able to liquidate debt, it's a much more efficient way to pay down debt than it is to be able to give up your cash, right? So. You, it's all about controlling the cash flow that runs through your hands, right? So the more cash that runs through your hands, the younger you are, the more opportunity you have to get a rate of return on that money. Right. So the more you just continue to pay cash, it's very difficult to get ahead when you just keep giving up the cash that you're earning.
1: So if someone's got a policy, and again, this is not a commercial for you. And and, and by the way, we had mentioned, uh, Scott had mentioned earlier, if I were to refer a client to Scott, I do not take... Uh, a commission for referring a client to scott um I, it would be nice <laughs> I like money like the rest of the world but i do not I, I do not take a commission i have referred lots of people to um uh to to scott and, and 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 other folks in different industries um and and i don't take a um i don't take a fee for referring someone to an insurance agent so i, I just want to be clear about that is any good ethical CPA is going to have someone like a Scott to, um, to to refer to. In the couple of minutes that we have left, let's jump into a, um, a buy sell. So I have a, a two partners, uh, three partners. Uh, give us buy sell one hundred and one for two or three dentists that are that are working. Um, and and how does that work?
0: Absolutely, uh, buy sell agreements are usually. It's one of the most overlooked areas, and it's the most Critical for a dental practice to take care of because if you have three offices and three dentists, dentists running those, and you lose one of those dentists, it becomes expensive to replace that person to be able to cover the other uh, dental practice that you have. So, with a buy-sell agreement, what we do is we will ensure if there's three den- three dentists, we'll insure them each for if they own equally, we'll insure them each for 33%. So, dentist A buys a policy on dentist B and C. And dentist B, dentist B owns one on A and C, and vice versa. So there are a lot of policies there, but it's extremely inexpensive, and we match the term insurance usually with that type of a scenario to the amount of time frame that they want to look at before they're going to sell the practice.
1: And it's important that that information and the 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 plan of attack is in the buy sell agreement for the partnership interest. That's very very important, um, and we we want to fund it for the approximately. What we believe the value of the practice interest is going to be, it doesn't have to be i mean you know you are not going to go you know theoretically you should value it every year but if if we think that the um uh dr a partner's interest is worth you know eight hundred thousand we might get you know a million dollars of coverage or something like that for the for the growth and 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 stuff like that and that's um that has to be done in a partnership if you don't it just makes it very very. Cumbersome, right? To to have a partner buy another partner out after or from their estate uh, when yeah. they die.
0: Yeah, if you don't have the insurance in place, you have to liquidate that debt over a period of time. Now you're talking instead of eight hundred thousand. Now it's going to cost that person liquidating it to the remaining spouse. Uh, maybe takes them, you know, uh, one point three million to liquidate an eight hundred thousand dollar debt. So <laughs> important to have the insurance. The in- term insurance is extremely inexpensive to cover that need. Uh, just determines based on what the cash flow is for that company. But it, it's an extremely inexpensive way to cover it.
1: So uh, the last thing I want to ask you is I know that there's lots of companies out there. Now, you you work with one company in particular. You work with a lot of different companies. And when someone is starting this process, whether it's with you or someone else, do they go direct to an insurance company? Is working with an agent better? Talk about how that works.
0: Absolutely. Having an agent on your side doesn't cost the client any more money. That's one of the best things about having somebody to work with. Uh, You want to work with a broker that is licensed with multiple companies. So basically, when you're working with somebody like myself, I work for all of the companies and I basically will look for a carrier that fits what the client's trying to do with the best ability to join the two together. So if you have a need for a specific thing, we search around and find that need to solve the provide the solution that the people are looking for. But to to answer your question, I just wanted to make sure people understand, even if you're 60 years old and you're a dentist and you want to be able to to design a plan for the tax benefits, right? So a lot of people look at the tax benefits of a policy, you know, the after-tax, tax-deferred, tax-free, like an unlimited Roth IRA contribution. So with a Roth, you're limited to the maximum for the year or based on income. Most dentists don't earn too much money to even qualify to do a Roth. Uh, these plans are unlimited on the contribution side. So you can have like a, 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 a lookalike plan to a Roth IRA to be able to solve that issue. So you don't, you just have to have that funding window of five to 10 years in order to make these things work. Um, and then we're, there's other products if, we, if it's shorter than that time period. If it's shorter than 10 years, we kind of do an evaluation of which one is the best to be able to
1: use. So at the end of the day, to put a bow on this whole thing, because we're just about out of time, Scott, is... Doctors, if you—not if you—must sit down with someone who has the expertise that a Scott Plamondon has. Sit down, and and the the first question is not how much is the premium. That is not the first question. The first question, ladies and gentlemen, is why do I need the insurance? What am I trying to accomplish? Where am I in life? Where's my income going? And someone like Scott, and by the way, there are lots of very, very, very ethical insurance agents and brokers in the United States of America. Scott is one of them. And if you sit down with him and let him give his contact information out one more time, you sit down and don't worry about the cost. I know the the cost is going to come up. I guarantee, Scott, you're absolutely going to tell them what the premium is, right? Absolutely. Okay. That, that's not going to be hidden. What
0: they're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. It's about what they're trying to accomplish, where they're at, whether term is best, whether a term with a, a, a whole life or a permanent component is best, how long do we fund it? That's what's so important. Scott, we're at the end of our time. Thank you so much for all the great information. One more time. Give your information out, please, if people want to contact you.
0: Right. My So my direct number is 949-394-5433 again 949-394-5433 or my email scott s-c-o-t-t-a like alan and then plamondon p-l-a-m-o-n-d-o-n at gmail.com that's my direct client that's my direct contact or you can contact arts office and he'll uh, push you over my direction as well
1: scott thank you so much for your great uh for your time and your expertise and for helping our doctors understand uh Life Insurance 101. So ladies and gentlemen, um, I just want to give you out our information one more time. If you want to get a hold of me at my office in Tustin, I'm at 714-259-0505. Email me at artwiederman at gmail.com. Look at all of our previous podcasts. Scott's will be up um, on the internet in late January of 2020 um, that's www.hmwccpa.com. If you are looking for a, uh, and, and go to the resources tab, go to the podcast tab, uh, and all the podcasts are there and Scott's information, contact information will be there for you also, if you wanted to call him. Um, and if you are looking for a dental specific CPA anywhere in the United States, please, 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 please. I said, please three times at the beginning of the show. I said it six times or seven times now please look on our website at the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. Go to the map, go to the state that you're in or where you're near, and we are all over uh, the United States. Uh, There's an office of our membership uh, close to you. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Mark. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you, for listening to my podcast. I know that uh, it's growing. Uh, You know, we're getting tons and tons more listeners every single week. Um, I'm very proud of the work that we're doing. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Please tell them to listen. It's a great thing to listen to if you're on the freeway, um, on an airplane, please listen. Um, The information is really good and valuable. We've got great shows and we've got some exciting information about the podcast coming up very shortly. That's it for today's episode of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.